Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Talk Spicy. I'm Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you for joining me wherever you are joining me. Rate the show, comment, agree, disagree, but whatever you do, keep it spicy. Five-star ratings are appreciated. If you're joining me on the YouTube channel, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, all that good stuff that you do. Is there, is there a more unlikable person who is really, really talented than Aaron Rodgers? I don't know what happened and uh, along the way where he became so unlikable, but he is clearly the most unlikable guy that I can remember as a as an NFL football player. But there are some bad guys and, and, and understand the difference. I'm not saying that I believe that Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy. I just don't think he's likable. It's interesting because I used to feel like people thought that Tom Brady was unlikable, but the truth is they just didn't like Tom Brady because Tom Brady didn't win. I mean, because he won all the time. There was nothing that Tom Brady had ever really done to make him unlikable. But from the moment we met Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has been unlikable, even though he has a story that should endear him to the masses. He went to Cal after, you know, having to fight his way onto the scene to be recognized in the way that other, you know, um, talents were being recognized. He did that. He... He, 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 he fought against the odds. He used his talent to ascend to a level that um, most people don't ascend to. He got to go to the NFL draft. And at the draft, many people thought that he would be picked super high. And he wasn't. And he had to sit there and watch as other quarterbacks were taken in front of him. And then he fell to the Green Bay Packers, which is really crazy because it's probably like the worst place to fall when they've got a quarterback in, in you know, in Brett Favre that seemed as if he was never going to retire. So Aaron Rodgers had to sit there and wait his turn. And when he finally got his turn, bam, it was it was it was fireworks. But I remember even in that time where we were waiting for him to get drafted, I just looked at his face and for some reason, I ain't like it. For some reason, it was just something about him that just did not make me like him. And then I listened to him talk. And there's a difference between people who sound intelligent and people who are intelligent and then people who sound arrogant. And he sounded arrogant. He didn't really sound intelligent to me. Like people tried to make it seem as if he was like this uber intelligent guy and he was on another plane than everybody else. But all I saw was arrogance. I didn't really see that level of intelligence that people kept telling us that Aaron Rodgers had. And he had success early 
And then he put together a string of seasons, regular seasons, that are probably never going to be matched again by any quarterback in the history of football. His level of efficiency, his his, in, his inability, his ability to not turn the ball over, his supreme arm talent, his athleticism all rolled up into one, and he put together a string of these regular seasons where he was phenomenal. But he didn't win anything. And so they blamed everything on Mike McCarthy and got his ASS up out of there. And they brought in another coach. And but pause. There was there was a reason why they drafted another quarterback. Because Aaron Rodgers had been getting hurt. Because Aaron Rodgers' ability looked as if it was on the decline. And who knows when you're going to fall off the cliff. So they drafted another quarterback the same way that they drafted him for Aaron Rod. I mean, for for to replace Brett Favre when Brett Favre was finished. And yet, he complained. He whined. He pitched a fit. He made the media do his job for him. They complained. They whined. They pitched a fit. And they all talked about how Aaron Rodgers had to be a part of the, the process. He has to be a part of the decision-making. And so then Aaron Rodgers felt empowered to come out and say, I should be a part of this decision-making. Bring back my homeboys. Bring back people that I think are good. And they did all of that to get this man to play football. And he had another MVP caliber season after an MVP caliber season and just went out there in the playoffs and stuck the joint up. Stunk it up. I don't care what the numbers say. We saw the game, right? No, no, we're going to look at the numbers for him. I'm going to get back to that. Don't worry. We'll look at the numbers. Oh, well, you know, he only, he only, he didn't, he, he missed nine passes. Well, that's great. They didn't put up any points. They didn't put up any points. Sorry. It's not going to work. He was bad. And now he gets to go in again, get the opportunity to be a a sympathetic figure. We're going to take this guy and try to make him a sympathetic figure when there is nothing, there's nothing likable about him. Even his, his choice in how to deal with these ridiculously gorgeous women in his life doesn't make any sense. How do you how do you mess up Olivia Munn? How do you mess that up? I guarantee you I know how it went. I don't get into it. It's none of my business. But I guarantee you I knew how it went. He made her feel small. Made her feel inferior. Guaranteed. Because in my mind, when I look at Aaron Rodgers. I look at this superior talent who is super duper unlikable. And I couldn't help but be overjoyed that San Francisco beat them in the playoffs. You know why? Because San Francisco has no business, no business beating anybody. They should not have beat the Cowboys and they should not have beat 
the Packers. I want y'all to think about this for a second, right? People were ready. People are ready to fire Mike McCarthy for the Cowboys, and they got infinitely closer. They look infinitely more effective versus San Francisco than Green Bay did. And Green Bay has the coach that all of you tell us that the NFL has to hire every coach to be like. They have that coach, and they have who all of you are telling us is the most transcendent quarterback talent in the history of the game. They have both of those, and they have a top-tier defense, and they have weapons, contrary to what you guys have led us to believe over the years. They have weapons all over the place. That team with that coach and that quarterback and that defense lost to a 49ers team with one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the history of the NFL as their quarterback. With a coach who barely has a 500 record as a head coach. That's who they lost to in the playoffs. As the top seed in Green Bay, where nobody is supposed to be able to come to in the playoffs and win. Nobody is today going, man. The same way that nobody last year gave this dude any flack for the way in which he played versus the Buccaneers. If you're the man and you're the guy and we lose, then it's your fault, right? Why is it that every quarterback that I see takes responsibility for this, but not Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers never seems to take, never seems to get any fault People sit back and go, oh, well, it must be everybody else because he's Aaron Rodgers, right? Wrong, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know why y'all are defending him because he's the most unlikable quarterback in the history of unlikable quarterbacks. Isn't it interesting that the supreme talent Aaron Rodgers got beat by Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> oh gosh. You know what? You you people kill me, right? Because you'll you'll tell us with a straight face that you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is this and Jimmy Garoppolo is that and he's done this while he's been the quarterback and then we watch Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo looks as if he is actively working for the other side. Yet I have yet to hear anybody say, bench Jimmy Garoppolo. Not one, I mean, not one, let me, let me take that back. I haven't heard anybody that isn't on the other side of this argument that I'm about to have say, bench Jimmy Garoppolo. I've heard people say, bench Jimmy Garoppolo, but I haven't heard it from the entities that we should be hearing it from. We haven't heard it from the entities that 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 are supposed to be making this thing happen. Because Jimmy Garoppolo 
does not deserve the right to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers. And if the 49ers continue to have him at quarterback, what they're essentially doing is they're essentially wasting they're wasting the talent and the possibility of championship teams that they have right now. I don't know why, but they are. I don't know why they're deciding to do it, but that's what they're doing. They are wasting championship caliber teams. You know what else I think is interesting? And I want to apologize to Ryan Tannehill ahead of time because this isn't really about Ryan Tannehill. But unfortunately, it's such an apples to apples comparison that I have no other choice but to use him as as the example. And let's get it, let's get it square. I like Ryan Tannehill as a person. I think he's a, I think he's a quality person. I think he's a quality human being. I think that matters. I think Ryan Tannehill has been given every opportunity to be successful in the National Football League. Don't believe me? Just watch. Ryan Tannehill was in college. And in college, a college coach decided that Ryan Tannehill should play wide receiver. A college coach believed that Ryan Tannehill would be better at receiver than at starting as a starting quarterback for his team. And so he moved Ryan Tannehill to receiver. That might not be that might not be anything to you, but it, it's, it says something to me that he moved Ryan Tannehill to receiver. Right? Okay. Follow me. So Ryan Tannehill goes to receiver, decent receiver. Things happen. He ends up back at quarterback, has one good season as a quarterback, and all of the skill sets that they say that a quarterback needs, plus this athleticism, took this guy from a dude that a college coach said should be a wide receiver to a top 10 pick. He was the eighth overall pick by Miami. Eighth. He went from a wide receiver prospect to the eighth overall pick in the draft off the strength of one good season in college. So, he goes to Miami. And in his first season as the starting quarterback in Miami, at 24 years old, he had a 7-9 record, completed 58% of his passes for 3,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Now, He's an athlete. 
So let's not let's not forego his rushing numbers because those matter, right? He rushed the ball 49 times for 211 yards and two TDs. Yet after that year, nobody questioned whether or not Miami had their starting quarterback. In fact, many were encouraged by that season where he threw 12 touchdowns and 13 interceptions and completed less than 60% of his passes. So in year two, he improved, right? Yep. Eight and eight record as a quarterback. He improved. Yep. 60% completion percentage. He improved. Yep. Six, I'm sorry, 3,900 yards instead of 32. Doubled his touchdown numbers from 12 to 24. 17 17 interceptions. This is a man at 25 years old. He also added in 238 rushing yards and a touchdown. But those numbers, they don't scream franchise guy. Not to me, they don't. I mean, maybe to somebody they might. They don't scream franchise guy, right? His next year, matter of fact, his next year, his his most successful year as a Dolphin, 8-8 eight eight again, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 66 completion percentage. The year after that, 6-10, 62 completion percentage, over 4,000 yards both years, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. His final season, excuse me, not his final season, but the next year after that, 8-5 record, 19 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 67% completion percentage. He's 28 years old by this time. And he is yet to get his team over eight wins. That next year, injury riddle only started 11 games. They got him out the paint. Time for you to go, my guy. Lands right with another team. Five, six games into the season, he's starting. And then the the Tennessee run comes. Better completion percentage, way more touchdowns, way less interceptions until this year when the running game goes down. And now it's all Ryan Tannehill. And his receiver... His best receiver's gone, and now it's all Ryan Tannehill. And they don't have the John Lou Smiths anymore, and now it's all Ryan Tannehill. And this man threw 21 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Right? Not bad. I go back to that rookie year, though. You go back to that rookie year, and you look at his rookie numbers. You go back to that sophomore year. And you look at his sophomore numbers and you go, nobody ever said that this man should not be a starting quarterback in the league. Nobody said it. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, I present for you Exhibit B. Jalen Hurts. 
Now, these are numbers, and numbers are irrefutable. You can try all you want, but numbers are irrefutable. But I'm going to give you the story as well because Jalen Hurts was a guy who nobody ever said shouldn't play quarterback. They probably said, hey, this guy's better because he gets it done differently. But nobody ever said he shouldn't be playing quarterback. Starting quarterback for, as a starting quarterback for the, um, as a starting quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide, he led his team to two championships. Won one, lost the other. Then they got another guy in that they thought ran the offense better because they had a different offensive coordinator. So he lost his job to that guy. He didn't get beat out for his job. They just gave his job away. He didn't do anything on the field during games to cost him his job. They just gave his job away. Cool. Cool. So... He goes to Oklahoma and becomes a Heisman Trophy finalist in his sole season at Oklahoma. And now based on those four years of work, the two as a starter, as an early enrollee as a freshman, a true freshman starting, goes to the championship, true sophomore starting, goes to the championship, comes in as the backup in his junior season, at an SEC school, I mean, in the SEC championship, wins the SEC championship for them, and they play an injured Tua instead of playing him in the in the championship game. Transfers, goes to Oklahoma, does it again, Heisman Trophy. Those four years of service got him where people thought he might be a day two quarterback. Might, but most be a day three guy. The Eagles come up and take him with a second round pick when they have the guy that everybody else believes is the starting quarterback who we now know is not the guy. Any hill has gotten. Somebody's going to try to make that man their starting quarterback. And he's going to do some good things. But ultimately, he's still who he is. Back to um, Hurts. So Jalen Hurts, at 22 years old, walks into the NFL behind Carson Wentz, gets an opportunity to play late in the season, starts four games, beats the New Orleans Saints, one of the best teams with the best record in the league that season last year. Loses three games, six touchdowns, four interceptions, 52 completion percentage, right? That's back in. Next year he comes back, 23. He's the starter now. Plays 15 games, goes eight and seven. Leads his team to the playoffs. Is 61% completion percentage. 3,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Now, remember Ryan Tannehill in his first season, 
for a full season as a starter at 24 years old through 12 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. In his sophomore year at 25 years old through 24 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So he threw in his sophomore year, and we'll, we'll compare apples to apples sophomore year, right? In his sophomore year, his completion percentage was less. And in one less game um, for Hertz, or one more game than Hertz played in, he threw eight more touchdowns, but he also threw eight more interceptions. He threw for 700 more, 800 more yards than, than Jalen Hurts did. But when we look at the rushing numbers, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, when we look at the rushing numbers, ran for 784 yards. So he ran for 784 yards. That's significantly more. So when you add the rushing yards to the passing, those numbers tend to, like, you know, even themselves out, correct? Right? He also had 10 rushing touchdowns. So when you add those rushing touchdowns to the to the passing numbers, their numbers even out. Yet, all we hear across the blogosphere, all we hear in the world is Jalen Hurts is not good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Jalen Hurts at 25, excuse me, 24 years old. My bad. Jalen Hurts at 23 years old. You've already written a book on Jalen Hurts and told us that he's not good enough. But Ryan Tannehill, who is now 33 years old, has been allowed to be mediocre his entire career and nobody's questioned his ability to be a starting quarterback in the league, except for when Miami released him. And he was and he was a backup for five minutes, became the starter, and immediately got another big check. Why? Because he was really good? No, because he played in an offense where he had everything he needed. And then this past yesterday, this man with all of his weapons in place, Derrick Henry, the healthiest the offensive line has been, um, both wide receivers, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in tow, threw the game away for Tennessee. Legitimately threw it away. Three times. That guy at 33 years old looked infinitely worse, infinitely worse in that playoff game than Jalen Hurts looked in his first playoff game ever. Jalen Hurts in his first playoff game ever. Ryan Tannehill is a veteran, man. He's a veteran. Jalen Hurts is a 23-year-old first-year starter in a brand-new offense, different than the offense he was trying to learn last year with a coaching staff that has no experience whatsoever. And that man had a better performance against 
a better defense in the Buccaneers than Ryan Tannehill had against a worse defense in the Bengals. Make it make sense. Why is Jalen Hurts unable to be a starting quarterback in this league? Make it make sense. But this is the difference in the way in which our quarterbacks are judged. Nobody's saying bench Ryan Tannehill. Nobody's saying bench um, bench Mac Jones, who's older than Jalen Hurts, by the way. Nobody's saying bench Jimmy Garoppolo. The only person that was talking about being benched or isn't good enough to play quarterback is the brother. Who also happens to be akin to the other guy that y'all don't give any respect to because he doesn't look and sound like many of you. Lamar Jackson. And where are the receivers? Where are all the black receivers? Where are all the black defenders out here going to bat for these quarterbacks? You know who I've seen go to bat for these quarterbacks? Running backs. So then it got me thinking, right? It's selfish. So the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks who um, have an ability to run, they make running backs' lives easier because it's 11 on 11 football. So those running backs are willing to ride for that quarterback. Wide receivers, they tend to be selfish. How do I know? I'm a wide receiver. I want all the balls. Wide receivers tend to be selfish. So they don't care nothing about that running stuff. All they want is the ball. Tight ends, running backs, they support. But that don't get it done. Because how are you out here riding for Ryan Tannehill? How are you out here riding for Jimmy Garoppolo and Matt Jones? But yet, y'all don't y'all don't go to bat for Cam. Y'all don't go to bat for um Hurts. You don't go to bat for 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 um big trust. Like, I don't understand. Defenders. We know why y'all don't ride with these athletic black quarterbacks because you can't stop them. They're annoying. They're hard to defend. You got a game plan differently. You want the quarterback to stand right there and never move. But you don't support them. And guess what? They use your silence as, as, as justification for what they're saying. And meanwhile, our black quarterbacks are getting squeezed. And then at the college level, they're being di- they're being diminished or switched to another position. At the high school level, they're not being developed at, at the way they should be. So we got a bunch of black dudes playing quarterback running around like chickens with their head cut off instead of being taught the game the right way and using your athleticism as a secondary as a secondary means of getting the job done. Having that be incorporated into what you do as a, as a total quarterback instead, we're not being developed the same, we're not being covered the same. The moment that people get a white quarterback in high school, they immediately 
want to just throw the ball around now. Doesn't even matter his skill set. He's got the complexion for the protection. I feel like if I don't say it, nobody else will, and I might be screaming at the wall, nobody's listening, who cares? It needs to be said, so I'm saying it. Watch how they talk about these guys. Watch how they talk about them. It tells you everything you need to know. If you won't admit it, then you're part of the problem. And if you're part of the problem, then you're not a part of the solution. And we keep saying we want solutions. Watch the, watch the cycle of, of, of head coaches. We're already seeing the GM cycle play out. Where are the brothers at? They get interviewed. They don't get hired. Watch this head coaching cycle. A lot of brothers getting interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of brothers not getting interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. Watch what the results are. Tell me I'm wrong. I hope y'all enjoy the game today. Even though I picked against them, go Bucks. Let's get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Talk Spicy. We do this thing. Well, I usually do this thing Monday through Friday. Rate the show, comment, agree, disagree, or whatever you do, keep it spicy. Five-star ratings are appreciated. If you're joining me on the YouTube channel, make sure that you like and subscribe. Leave a comment. We want to hear from you. Enjoy the games. Happy football. Peace.